Hello, today is Tuesday, March 3rd, and you are listening to The Jared Barnes Show. I'm your host, Jared Barnes. I'm going to thank you for listening today. I have a good episode. I do a little, I start off with XFL talk, and then I get into college basketball. I talk a little Quentin Flowers and the interesting situation with him this weekend. I talk Tony Roma's new, new deal with CBS. I get into Monday night, um, the Monday Night Football gig. I talk about NFL free agency for a bit. And uh, I got a kind of a giveaway at the end of the episode if you want to listen in. Uh, if you can guess the player, um, you have a chance to win $10, and I'll cash out that to you. Uh, so be sure to listen to the end so that you can figure out what the giveaway is. Um, let's just get right into the first topic. So the first topic that I wanted to cover today was my XFL weekend roundup. Uh, we're going to start off at game one. It was the LA Wildcats at the New York Guardians. Um, the Guardians were just good enough at home this week to get themselves their second win of the season. Um, this week, Matt McGloin was out due to injuries, so Luis Perez got the start for the Guardians. Luis Perez has a very interesting story. Um, he learned how to play quarterback from watching YouTube videos. And it's crazy to think about how far his career has come, considering that that is pretty much how he started learning quarterback to now being a professional quarterback. Now, Perez played okay. It was really nothing spectacular, but he didn't make a lot of mistakes like McGoin normally does. So he did not cost New York the game. Another reason that New York was able to get a win was the play of Gerald Owens, the defensive end. It was his only second week being active. Uh, the first week he didn't really make an impact, but this week he did. He put on an absolute show with two sacks, four quarterback hits, and a huge block field goal. Owens is definitely a pass rusher on the rise and a guy that I am interested in watching in the next couple weeks in the XFL. Now on to the Wildcats in that game. The Wildcats are very inconsistent, and you really just don't know what team you're going to get week in and week out. Last week, the Wildcats pummeled D.C. defenders, and this week they couldn't even handle the worst team in the league, the Guardians. This week, their inconsistencies and lack of points was possibly due to the fact that the two best pass catchers for the offense, Nelson Spruce and Martrez Carter, were out with injury. Although that was the case, Josh Johnson still had a very good day, numbers-wise, with 330 yards and two touchdowns, but his team was not able to get it done despite his good showing. I really like Winston Moss and this Wildcats team, but they really needed to do something to turn around and be more consistent and go on a run here where they will be eliminated from playoff contention here very quickly as the Roughnecks and the Renegades seem to have the West on lock. My two takeaways from this game is, is Luis Perez the guy in New York now? And can he be the guy that helps turn the team around? And my second takeaway is, how will the Wildcats respond next week in a must-win game after an embarrassing loss to the Guardians? Now on to the second game of the weekend, which was my favorite game of the weekend, was the Seattle Dragons visiting the St. Louis Battlehawks. For the first half of the game, St. Louis could do pretty much anything that they wanted on defense and special teams. And on the offensive side of the ball for the Battlehawks, Quarterback Jordan Tayamu could do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted to do it, but 
Not much of anyone else on the offense can do anything as he had the majority of all total yards for the Battlehawks in the first half. On the other side of the field, the lack of decent quarterback play for the Seattle Dragons of Brandon Silvers was just terrible as he couldn't do anything at all for the Dragons. Uh, due to this fact and the fact that this is not the first game that Brandon Silvers has struggled, Silvers got benched, and in the second half, he was replaced by B.J. Daniels. And in this game, that is when things kind of began to take a take a turn, honestly. When Daniels got on the field, you could tell that he was ready and that he was excited and hungry to finally get his opportunity in the XFL. He provided a spark to this offense that had not seen been seen in their play all year. With Daniels at quarterback, their offense was actually interesting to watch, and there was some life that just had not been there. And it's just it would be great for Seattle in my opinion, but it didn't matter because no matter how well they played, it was a little late in the game, and when the Battlehawks needed a score. Jordan Tayomu stepped up and showed why he should also be considered an MVP, MVP candidate along with Philip Walker. When they needed him the most, Tayomu drove straight down the field for the Battlehawks and called game. And then when the Dragons tried the rebuttal, they were stopped by an interception thrown by B.J. Daniels, who was just trying to make a play. After watching this game, two things were clear to me. The first thing was that was clear to me is that Seattle has now found their guy at quarterback, and maybe now they can do something in the West, as it's going to be tough from here on out. But they now have their guy, and it may make it a little bit easier. And the second thing that was made clear in this game is that the St. Louis Battlehawks are clearly the most complete team in the XFL by far. The Battlehawks are the only team in the entire league that seemed to improve every single week, and I really enjoy seeing it, and I hope it continues as I'm starting to become a little bit of a fan of the Battlehawks. Now on the game three of the weekend, it was supposed to be the best game of the weekend. In my opinion, it was not the most disappointing, but it was still a little disappointing. And honestly, Dallas is lucky that they weren't trailing by at least 20 points by the end of the first quarter. Landry Jones failed to take care of the football early in the game, and he threw three interceptions in the first quarter. The Renegades' defense bailed him out as they held the Roughnecks to only uh, six points in the first quarter and uh, 15, I think 15 points in the whole first half. And... Uh, Houston's defense really stepped up big time in this game. I thought that they were kind of a weak link, but they really kept Dallas's offense in check for most of the game. The game did not really live up to the standards that I had set for it in my own mind. I thought that this game was going to be a shootout and that both teams would probably score over 30 points, but I was wrong. Uh, don't get me wrong, it was still a good game, but it's just not what I thought it was going to be and it wasn't what I wanted it to be. The Roughnecks are... Honestly, one of the hardest teams for me to want to talk about because they just keep winning and there seems to be no one left on their schedule that is going to stop them from doing so. Uh, sadly for Dallas, though, 
They will likely be in a rough spot for the next few weeks as Landry Jones re-aggravated his knee injury that he sustained week one of training camp and is expected to be out for the next two weeks. Hopefully he will be back in time for the rematch of this game in week seven as that will likely be a big game leading into the end of the season towards the playoffs. My two takeaways from this game are, will anyone that is left on Houston's schedule be able to beat them? And will Philip Nelson for the Dallas Renegades play well enough to keep Dallas afloat while Landry Jones is out? Or will they have to go in a different direction? Because week one, he really he did not struggle to throw the football, but he struggled to throw the football downfield. He threw it accurately, but just when he needed him to throw it downfield, he failed to do so. And I just don't think that he, Dallas can have a quarterback that will play like that if they want to win any games. Now on to the fourth and final game of the weekend. Uh, the D.C. Defenders visited the Tampa Bay Vipers. It was a must-win game for the Vipers, and they did just that. They won. They were able to upset and shut out the D.C. Defenders. The Vipers were finally able to make some plays on offense, even though Quentin Flowers did not play this week. Taylor Cornelius looked very good against a D.C. defense that really just seemed disinterested this week, much like last week. Also, much like last week for the defenders, they were unable to really ever get things going on the offensive side of the ball, as Cardell Jones struggled mightily again this week. And it is just very disappointing to see the defenders implode and really play that very bad football over the last two weeks. For the first two weeks of the season, the defenders looked like they could be one of the best teams in the league, but now they just look like very average and even below average at times. Cardell Jones even had his own little Matt McGloin type moment this week as he asked for one of his teammates to get benched, even though he himself was not playing well at all. The good thing though for the Vipers is they were able to take advantage of this poor play by the defenders and Cardell Jones and get their first win of the year. And really, if the Vipers can continue this level of play that they had in this game against the defenders, they could easily sneak into the playoffs as the East second seed seems to be a wide open race as of right now. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because the East is clearly the Battle Hawks. They're the best team in the East. They're also the best, in my opinion, the best team in the XFL. But my two takeaways from this game are, was D.C. just a fluke for the first two weeks of the season? Or will they be able to turn this season around with a big game on Sunday against the Battlehawks? And my second takeaway from this game is, who is the second best team in the East? It's tough to say because between the Guardians, Vipers, and the Defenders, it's really a real toss-up there, in my opinion at least. But anyways, moving on. This week, my XFL power rankings for after week four of play. Um, at number one, I have the St. Louis Battlehawks. At number two, I have the Houston Roughnecks. At number three, I have the Dallas Renegades. At four are the Tampa Bay Vipers. At five, I have the DC Defenders. At six, I have the Seattle Dragons. At seven, I have the LA Wildcats. And at eight, I have the New York Guardians. That's my XFL power rankings for the week. And um, that's also my XFL weekend roundup. Now, uh, moving on to my next subject, I wanted to talk about college basketball a little bit. Um, 
really this weekend it was another kind of upset weekend as uh, Clemson has just been able to upset everyone this year it seems like and they did it again on Saturday with a win over the rank over the at the time number seven Florida State and Clemson has been an intriguing team to watch as they have been up and down all year but are somehow able to pull off an upset at what feels like every other week at this point. And it's just really insane. I really, It's still tough to say whether they'll make the tournament, and uh, they'd have to honestly make a run in their conference play, their conference championship, and I, I hope they do because they're a very interesting team to watch, especially with all the upsets. I feel like a team like that in March, with that kind of going in, knowing that they can beat anybody, a team like that could really do something in March, but it's going to be interesting to see. Another ACC team that has been fun to watch is Duke. Lately, though, they have been struggling as they've lost three of their last five. Luckily for them, they were able to get a nice win against NC State last night with a score of 88-69. Uh, College football has been an upset season this season. And yet again, it was, like I said, another upset this weekend as Baylor lost again over the weekend. But this time it was to the unranked TCU Horn Frogs. The Baylor Bears, though, bounced back last night and survived a scare against Texas Tech as they were able to get a three-point overtime win against the Red Raiders, 71-68. to And uh, the AP, AP polls came out on Monday, and there is a unanimous number one at the top, and that is the Kansas Jayhawks. Um, I'm really excited for March Madness here in a couple weeks. I'm really excited to watch college basketball again this weekend, and I'm even more excited to see some more good XFL football this weekend. Um, I'm going to take a short break, and then I'm going to come back with um, my opinion on the Tony Romo deal. I'm back, but before I talk about Tony Romo's deal with CBS, I kind of wanted to get into um, Quentin Flowers. Um, quarterback slash running back of the Tampa Bay Vipers. He's been interesting to watch over the first couple weeks of the XFL season. And he didn't play this week due to being inactive, but that's because he stepped away from the Vipers team um, over the weekend. Uh, reports were surfacing over the weekend that it was because of he stepped away due to his lack of playing time in the offense. And I could see why he's frustrated because he really was one of the the best playmakers for them for the first couple weeks of the season. Really, he was one of the reasons that their offense even got a spark in some of the games. And I can understand his frustration, um, but he was inactive this week. They won without him, uh, 25-0 without him. And um, reports were on Tuesday that he's going to return to the team. Um, I know that's going to be very good. Hopefully, now they got the quarterback situation figured out with Cornelius and they can find a way to include him maybe as a running back, maybe as kind of like a, a gadget player, to just get him involved because he's a very talented player and you really don't want to let a talented guy like that go to waste. And I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with him. But now we got I want to get into Tony Romo and his deal with CBS. So the combine was this weekend, but that wasn't the biggest news in the NFL as Tony Romo signed a five-year deal worth $17 million a season with CBS. Um, 
He was originally with CBS for three years and he just signed that extension. And that is a lot of money to be paying a guy that just calls the games. But it is well deserved as Tony has been very entertaining his first three years at CBS. And he's been like a magician. He just predicts stuff. He just calls out plays. He just, he just really, you could tell he really studies in the film room. And it's very cool to watch him. He gets so excited sometimes as it just bursts right through the TV and makes you excited. It's disappointing for me because I wanted to see him maybe go to ESPN and take the Monday Night Football job where I can actually hear him call games every single week. I don't actually get to watch or listen to the games that he calls every week on CBS. I would have loved to see him on Monday Night Football. But what is interesting about the whole thing is that Reports are coming out now that CBS supposedly offered the job to Peyton Manning before actually offering Tony Romo the massive contract that he now has. And like I said, ESPN was reportedly eyeing Romo for the gig of Monday Night Football. And it's going to be interesting to see what ESPN does now that their kind of top option, their top dog for the Monday Night Football job is now off the table. Will they promote a current employee from within ESPN? like Matt Hasselback, or maybe even Dan Orlovsky? Or will they go with the Pat McAfee route, like a lot of people said they should have done last year? Or will they just do the easy thing and um, pay Peyton Manning a boatload of money to try and convince him to do it? It's going to be interesting to see uh, what ESPN does. Um, I'm excited to see what Tony Romo does at CBS for the next five years, that he's going to be there. He's, um Congrats to him on the massive contract. It is well-deserved. I'm excited to see the future of CBS. I'm excited to see the, the future of pinballing plays. I'm excited to see the future of Monday Night Football. Because I just don't think I could have... I don't think if they go back to what they had this year with Booger McFarlane and Joe Tessitore, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch a Monday Night Football game. Because Booger McFarlane is kind of... He's funny, but it, it gets to be annoying. And Joe Tessitore is a great play caller, but not every play is the greatest play that ever happened. So you don't need to treat it like that. If it's a three-yard run, it's just a three-yard run. You don't need to treat it like the dude just ran 97 yards for a touchdown and he should be the MVP in the league. The energy is great, but if he would have toned it down, it would have been fine. Um, I do really hope, though, that ESPN hires Peyton Manning, and if they hire Peyton Manning, I'd love to see them bring back Sean McDonough, and just let those two work together. I think that'd be a great combination, and it would be fun to listen to, fun to watch. Uh, I'm a big Pat McAfee fan. I just I love Pat McAfee. I just don't know if he is be the right man for the job for Monday Night Football. But if they gave it to him, you're not going to hear me being upset because he'd make it extremely entertaining, extremely funny. But uh, kind of moving on to another subject, I kind of wanted to talk NFL free agency. Um. The CBA has yet the CBA has yet to be officially signed, but the tagging period is close to being ending, and a lot of teams are tagging their guys as of right now. Uh, over the weekend, AJ Green was tagged by the Bengals. Uh, the Jaguars tagged their free agent defensive end Yannick Nagaku. I hope I said his name right there. The interesting thing about that entire situation, though, is that he is not wanting to be in Jacksonville anymore. And he says that they know that and that he wants out. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do because he is one of the, one of the best pass rushers over the last couple of years, the younger pass rushers. 
So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Uh, NFL free agency is just setting up to be a wild thing this year. Um, as now reports are coming out that the Bears are expected to add a veteran quarterback to maybe push Mitch Trubisky a little bit, it would help in the growth if you kind of lit a fire under Trubisky and have a guy that can mentor him a little more than Chase Daniels did. Especially a guy that would challenge him a little more than Chase Daniels, maybe bring in a guy like Andy Dalton, maybe bring in a guy like Marcus Mariota, a guy that could definitely handle the starting job, but you don't need to have them as a starter. Maybe even bring in Ryan Tannehill if uh, Ryan Tannehill doesn't re-sign with the Tennessee Titans and the Tennessee Titans land Tom Brady, which kind of seems like it's going to happen as last week reports were coming out that Tom Brady is pretty much officially done with the Patriots. That, that's not the report said, but that's pretty much how I took it. He's definitely expecting to play somewhere else in the 2020 season. Free agency is about to be extremely interesting. It's going to set up for an extremely inter interesting NFL draft, which I'm excited for because I will be attending this year, the NFL draft in Vegas. I'm extremely excited for that. I hope big things come out of that. I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping I can do something cool on there. That's really all that I have for you today. Oh, and I have one more thing, actually. I did not do my NFL draft player spotlight for this week. That's my segment in which I pick a, a player that I believe is a little underrated and is deserving, kind of being, kind of deserves to be talked about a little bit more. Um, I will do it on my next episode, but if you can guess who I'm going to cover or feature for my next NFL Draft Player Spotlight, I will cash up you $10. Um, you will have to DM me. Or tag me in a story post on Instagram of who you think it is. I will give you one hint. Uh, I, this guy balled out at the combine this weekend, and he plays the position of running back. That's the only hint that I will give you. If you can guess it right, I will cash up you ten dollars. You'll just have to give me your cash tag in the DM, my Instagram DMs. I will leave my Instagram um, link in the description for the podcast. Like I said, though, that's all I have for you today. I want to thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review if you can. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you listening. And um, I'm excited for the next episode of this week. Thanks for listening. I am out.